Welcome to the 78th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guest, who's my friend, fellow advocate, and past podcast guest, Dr. Clayton McCook. If you're new to the show, welcome, and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer, and I'm the co-founder of Diabetes Daily Grind and the host of this, the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I just celebrated my 37th anniversary and truly enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. Clayton has become a dear friend over the years, and it's always nice to chat all things diabetes with him. We can ramble for hours, but we didn't. <laughs> in this episode, we touch on technology, advocacy efforts, and diabetes in animals. Yes, this is a real thing, and I was so excited to kind of pick his brain about it because he's a vet. In each podcast episode, you can hear the passion in his voice, and he's not shy about what's on his mind. Perfect guest. <laughs> but before we get started, I have just a few announcements. This episode was brought to you by Real Good Foods. They are launching a new product, and I'm excited to share it with you. Their new superfood pizza crust is unlike other low-carb keto pizzas. Instead of using cauliflower, they created a completely new kind of low-carb crust made with avocados, almonds, broccoli, and kale. I mean, yum <laughs> and healthy. It is gluten-free and doesn't contain any processed carbs. The superfood crusts are packed with tons of vitamins and nutrients, and most of us don't get enough of that on a regular basis, which actually help manage our blood pressure, control blood sugar, and boost digestive health. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Plus, the crusts leave you feeling full and satisfied. I'm going to say with little to no guilt. Woohoo, real good foods. Thanks for thinking of the diapeeps. Number two, as of January 2020, the Diabetes Daily Grind is officially transitioning to a 501c3 nonprofit charitable organization status. This has been a long time coming, and I feel confident it's the best opportunity to reach a larger audience while partnering with reputable organizations. Number three, I just launched the first Real Life Diabetes Mini podcast series, which is dedicated to offering a one-stop shop of brands, organizations, and services who share my mission to provide real support and services for all people living with diabetes. You can check out this episode at diabetesdailygrind.com or on any podcast platform. And finally, don't forget to love, like, share, comment, all things Diabetes Daily Grind social media. Or you could be super cool and leave me an iTunes review. You know, I always get teared up. It always makes my heart happy. Um, so thank you in advance. And thank you for listening. Let's get started. So I'm sitting across from my friend, um, Clayton McCook. He's back on the show, and I'm glad to have you back. And thanks for your patience. You bet. No problem at all. <laughs> so the last time you were on the show, you were talking about how you had just got your daughter on Night Scout. Or you were using the system. Is that how it... So, we, so the last podcast we did, we, we actually had talked about closing the loop. Closing and the so loop. So we had just started uh, using the DIY technology. Um, and at that time was Loop, and we've used both uh, Loop and Open APS. So let's then. talk about the original one. And if you want to know more details about it specifically, I'll add in the show notes. You know, you talking about that system, but mm -hmm. it's the Riley Link. Correct. So, so there's two systems that we've used um, in the DIY universe, and and the first is called Loop, and that's an iOS dependent system, so mm -hmm. it requires an iPhone. And then there's Open APS, which is not necessarily have to have an iPhone and it uses a little bit different setup and hardware. And so initially we set up loop, um, because I felt like it was something I could handle a little bit more than mm -hmm. open APS at the time. Uh, it involved going in and, um, you know, basically building 
an app on an iPhone, mm-hmm. which is something I could never do, you know, <laughs> still to this day. Right. But because of the work of Katie D. Simone and so many of the other people who have uh, created documents in the DIY world, um, we were able to get that done. And, and it was pretty early on, so the documents weren't anywhere near like they are now. Now they're very comprehensive and detailed. And How did and you even stumble across that? Because... So it was through um, our connections with the Night Scout community. You know, we were we we've been using Night Scout since the fall of 2014. Um, you know, Night Scout kind of went live that spring and summer of 2014. So we weren't by any stretch one of the first families, but but relatively early adopters of Night Scout. And so, um, you know, I'd kept in touch with the community and was very active in in the sort of pay it forward uh mentality trying so you, to help people you're where learning I could. all about this on social media oh yeah okay. absolutely yeah, yeah. And did you do what was i mean i don't know if you'll recall but like what did you put in as your like diabetes management I mean, like what made so you- i first got into night scout because we were actually at a uh, jdrf planning uh meeting for for one of the walks and my wife had shown me a picture of our friend heather um and having her daughter claire's data on her watch Mm -hmm. and i was like wow i don't know what that is but i want that you know and so at that time i'm thinking that's a commercially available system i can just go buy that watch right somehow well then um you know some of the other parents were sort of familiar with the cgm and the cloud group and Mm -hmm. and night scout and they're like oh it's this group of parents and they've sort of hacked into their dexcom receivers their kids (laughs) dexcom receivers and you have to build the system yourself and i'm like well i can't do any of that and so just you know because out of curiosity i ended up you know googling that and finding the cgm and the cloud facebook group Mm -hmm. and being a part of it and you know again that was in the summer of 2014 so for several months we just watched um you know sort of from afar and and as i call it lurked in that group and you know watched parent after parent and uh, set up their system successfully and get their night scout site up and going finally to the point where I was like, you know what? I think I can do this, you know, with, with their help, I think I can get it done. <laughs> so did so you just did. start buying stuff? I mean like piecing things together. Yeah. At that time, I mean, it required a little cheap Android phone and it required a specific cable and you <laughs> wired the cable to the old Dexcom G4 receiver. Right. And so it was a specific hardware that you had to have. Um, we were actually not using Dexcom, uh, until that fall, and that was one of the reasons we switched to Dexcom, is so that we could try to set up our, our first Night Scout wow. site. And so, I can't imagine being a parent thinking, well, I can't imagine being a parent, period, but <laughs> thinking, I'm going to build this system that's going to help keep my child alive yeah, and trust in that technology. Sure. Um, but it, I'm glad that there's that social media presence that you could witness it. Yeah, it was it was really big for us. I mean, we we never really realized that was a possibility i mean at one point um you know medtronic had a product called the my Sentry, where you could put it by your bed and it would give you your kids numbers if they were sleeping in the next room which was you know that was pretty novel at the time that was great um but yeah it took it to a whole nother level you know the idea that you could um you know send your kids to school or to the park with their grandma and right. be able to monitor their numbers. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize now, especially, you know, parents of, of newly diagnosed children in the last couple of years, there was no Dexcom share. Like it, <laughs> it did not right. exist. I mean, there was no way to remotely monitor your, your kids' blood sugars and, and those men and women made that happen. Yeah. They, they, they made that happen and figured it, not only figured it out, but like we talked about in, in previous podcasts, shared it. You know? yeah. And so that was sort of a natural progression for us to go into the DIY looping mm-hmm. space because a lot of the same people that we had you know, met online through Night Scout had begun to set up those systems. And so, you know, for example, my, my really good friend, Christine Deltrap in Atlanta, mm-hmm. had built a loop for her son, Jack. And I just kind of reached out to her and was like, hey, can I do this? She's like, yep, absolutely, you can do it. You know? And so there were several people that I had known um, through Night Scout that we're doing that. And, and so I finally felt confident enough in, in my own abilities to, you know, number one, read their instructions and number two, reach out and know who to reach out to. And so. And that's, yeah, that's pretty incredible. And what a huge leap of faith. Um, and I got to say, it, it was sitting in the room with um, all the industry leaders and the, the people that have hacked the system, who've created this, to see them all work together at the Diabetes Mind Innovation Summit was incredible. Yeah, And it was also really cool in a weird way to have so many people that are 
the leaders who have type one. So it's, they're living the life and they get it. And to mm-hmm. see your buddy who's a big wig at Dexcom or whatever, um, have their blood sugar be 214. I mean, it's just, it's nice to be surrounded by people like that. So technology's changed. Yeah. You guys have changed systems. Big time. So yeah. let's talk about what Lily's doing now. So we uh, made the decision, oh gosh, it's been you know well over a year now, um, probably longer than that. But we decided to stop doing the DIY stuff. We, we used Loop for a while very successfully. Um, Lily's Riley Link, which is the interface between the mm-hmm. uh, iPhone and the pump, uh, fell in the toilet. And so we didn't have a backup. Riley Link, dad fail on that one, not having a backup. And so I set up an open APS system actually that right. night. And so we used that for a while and, and it got to the point where it, w- it worked really well. And, and um, you know, Lily's numbers were great and it gave us a lot of peace of mind. It was really opened mm-hmm. up a lot of doors for us um, in terms of her diet and giving her more and more freedom to eat what she wanted and just right. be a kid. And um, so we were super happy with it, but it did come with a price in that we had to you know, carry a Riley link or carry mm-hmm. the open APS. Mm-hmm. You know, we were using the Intel Edison at the time. And so that had to be near her. And so, you know, you'd say, hey, Lily, where's your rig? You know, cause if it would <laughs> fall offline and, and did you so, guys name it, um, we did. Yeah. The, I had several different rigs and they were, um, you know, a lot of times they were donated. So like my friend Gail DeVore sent me one. So of course that rig was named Gail and then Christine <laughs> sent me one. So that one was named Jack. <laughs> and so, cool. yeah, we definitely named our rigs. Um, but it just kind of got to the point where I could tell Lily was, was struggling with it a little mm-hmm. bit, having to carry it around all the time yeah. and keep her backpack by her. And so we, you know, I'd been following Tandem for a while. I'd, I'd met some of the folks, um, you know, at the executive level. And, and I actually spoke at a conference in San Diego where I was on a panel um, where Dana Lewis and, and Brian Hansen from Tandem were there. And so we talked about sort of the the crossover between the DIY mm-hmm. world and the commercial world and what the commercial uh, manufacturers need to be doing and right. paying attention to in terms of sort of uh, making people comfortable with their products and mm-hmm. especially people like us who were doing the DIY stuff but were you know considering coming over onto the commercial side. Did and, they just call you up and say we'd like to meet with you? No, I mean I got invited to be on that panel, um, you know, and so they didn't really like they didn't set up the panel it You're was right. just they they happened to be on it now after that experience with the panel i kept in touch with them and yeah. and so really followed their work closely mm-hmm. um and then after we switched it was just a really good experience for us mm-hmm. and so i was very public about that and so i think because of that they invited me out to their investor day um to speak and and visit with some of their shareholders and potential investors and also tour their facility and so um, all those experiences with Tandem were really uh, positive, both before and after we switched, and, right. and really made me appreciate how they do business as a company. That they they really do care about you know the people who are wearing the machines and not just the machines. When you and, said that, when you took the tour, one of the the head people, right. What did he say? He said, so the gentleman who was uh, one of the supervisors, he gave us the tour of the manufacturing facility. And the very first thing he said is, you know, I I want you guys to know my son has type one. So this work is very personal for me. Right. And and that just really meant a lot to me as a father. And and I just, I got the sense that, you know, being out there and, and meeting with, um, so many of the, the team members, you know, whether they were in the marketing department or some of the engineers Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the, I just got the sense that they got it a lot. You know, they understood my perspective as a as a parent. They took their mm-hmm. perspective as a person with with type one, um, and I just felt a real uh, sense that they care deeply. You know. Well, and how old is Lily now? Lily's eleven. Yep. Eleven. Mm-hmm. So she manages her diabetes by herself. She does. So she's taken over the vast majority of her management um, on her own. She. Prior to this year, she only went to school two days a week, and then we homeschooled the other three days a week. And so uh, my wife was working at the school. And so this year's a little different. My wife is not working this year and at the school, um, and Lily's gone five days a week. And so she's really responsible she's for all the vast up. majority. Yeah, it's, it's really a big switch for us. And, and we felt really confident um, that she could handle it, that we could handle it, obviously having the... 
uh, tandem pump with the control IQ helps a lot mm-hmm. in terms of, or excuse me, with the basal IQ mm-hmm. um, helps a lot in terms of lows. And so we, we felt good about it, but it was still really tough that first day to send her to school and knowing that Cindy wasn't on campus with her. Right. And, um, it's just amazing to watch her uh, do her thing. I mean, she, she does an incredible job managing it. And, and there's so many times I, I'll text her and like, Hey, you're, you're, CGM reads 60, you know, are you okay? And she's like, dad, I treated that a while ago, you know, and, and she just really very proactive, very attentive and, and just does an incredible job. When you said that she's still, she is lucky enough to be able to feel her lows. She is. Yeah. And and so we've had lots of experiences where, you know, I, I try not to ever doubt her, but there's certainly times where, She'll say, I don't feel good. I feel low. And, and her CGM's reading 100. Or right. I'm like, ah, you know, are you sure? Your CGM says you're in range. And right. she just gives me that look like, Dad, I know. Like, I'm not feeling well. Well, <laughs> next thing you know, she's, you know, 65 with an arrow down on her CGM. And so we really learned to trust her more and more. And, and because she... Um, she knows her body. I'd be curious, and this is random, and I know that this can never happen, but, like, if we could hook three people up to insulin that are not insulin dependent and had dropped their blood sugar, like how they would feel Mm -hmm. like, would we, I mean, we all feel our lows differently, but for somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I know. I know. It doesn't look fun from the outside looking in. Yeah. You know, so one of the reasons I'm brought uh, Clayton back on the show is because you are an incredible advocate and you have recently taken the lead as chapter leader for the Oklahoma insulin for all chapter. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about that and how you got involved. So I, um, you know, like so many things in our life, a lot of it has goes back to Night Scout and goes back to our <laughs> connections to that community. And so my really good friend Melinda Wedding, uh, who lives in Colorado with her friend with her husband James, um, who's also just wonderful. They're the neatest people. Um, James does the Night Scout Foundation. Okay, and they were very early night scout families and so we you know quote unquote met online and knew each other that way you know for quite a while and then they actually came to a jdrf uh summit in tulsa a few years ago on behalf of the night scout foundation and set up a table and so we had the opportunity to meet them in person for the first time and and melinda um how did we even get them at the table because that's a pretty big I mean, that's awesome that they make the travel to do that. And that's a whole nother subject um, because there's still some some hurt feelings, to be honest with you, uh, justifiably so, between uh, Night Scout and JDRF. And and, I don't mean to open too many old wounds and things are are definitely different than they were. But I think people need to kind of go back and realize that for a time, uh, you know, now a lot of people who are familiar with Night Scout sort of take it for granted and it's become a lot more of a mainstream type of thing. Mm -hmm. But um, there was a lot of backlash from, um, you know, CGM manufacturers. Right. There was a CEO that called them, you know, rogue cowboys. And, <laughs> and you know, for a time, JDRF did not want uh, anything about Night Scout discussed right. at their events. And, and that was pretty hurtful. That that definitely was but it's difficult. And, I mean, well, yeah. And so I'm, you know, I'm always trying to play peacemaker, probably to a fault. And so I was uh, on the board of JDRF at the time. And I thought, well, why would we not just why can't we just have a Night Scout Foundation? Why can't they come now? Right. You know? And so they did, and I think it was very positive. And, and I really appreciate James and Melinda coming up. And yeah. It was really neat to have them there at that summit and, and have the table set up. And so Melinda, to me, gets the credit for a lot of my advocacy because mm-hmm. she's the one that really opened my eyes um, more than anybody else to the issue of insulin pricing. And, and I was sort of blind to it just because, you know, so many times issues don't really um, – concern you as much until right. they affect you. Right. And so we were protected from the insulin pricing crisis because we have we had a PPO plan for right. quite a while. And so our, we had a $20 copay and got all the insulin we needed for Lily. And I never gave it a thought. And so, you know, I would see posts from Melinda sharing an article or talking about, you know, a friend's experience having to pay list mm-hmm. price because they didn't have insurance or having to pay out of pocket because they had a high deductible plan. And I was like, wow, I had no idea, you know. And, and so um, I really started doing a lot more research into that. And, and it was really eye opening and, and 
really sad to me to find out the actual reality of what's going on right now. Well, it is really sad, but I will say, um, <laughs> positive note, is that it's really brought the diabetes community together. And that with social media and all the other platforms there, and you know, I ran out of insulin in Santa Fe, and let's talk about, I was... I extended my vacation two days, didn't bring backup insulin. That was totally my fault. And the insulin pen I was new to, I didn't know how much insulin was actually left. And so I had a nervous breakdown, put it out on social media, and Clayton jumped up. And, you know, I'm in Santa Fe. He's in Oklahoma City. And so talk a little bit about how you put the word out and the response. Well, again, you know, there's a theme here. It goes back to Night Scout. And, <laughs> and just knowing that community and, and the amount of altruism and kindness in that community um, and knowing that there are people literally all over the world in that group, uh, I just put it out that I had a friend in need. And so it happened to be that um, somebody in Albuquerque responded and she said she had a vial that she could spare. And then it also turned out that my younger brother, uh, who was living in Santa Fe at the time, was in Albuquerque for a concert. <laughs> and so. Well, and I have to say that the whole time these conversations are going down via text, I'm on the phone with CVS, I'm on the phone with Walgreens, trying to figure out which is going to be the cheapest. One of them, I don't, can't remember which one of the groups, I, they wouldn't even fill my insulin because my script was. Uh, had expired or right. something. And I'm like, I've got insulin right here. I have ta- diabetes tattooed on my body. But anywho, and so your brother literally went to this stranger's home, picked up a bottle of insulin, delivered it to me in my hotel. I w- it was after midnight. I'm sitting there with the cleaning staff and it was an opportunity to educate. And they're like, I can't believe that you're having to go through all this. I'm like, yeah, yes, this is what we have to do. And if it weren't for you and the people, I couldn't have gone to the ER. And it was a, in my mind, a crisis moment. One of those things that thankfully I have not had to experience. And yeah. it goes back to you know all the other people when you hear them talking about rationing insulin. You know, I eat a low carb diet, so I don't use a lot of insulin. And that's just because I feel better. But for the person when they say I've got seven units left, what's going through your mind when you have to say, what am I going to do next? Yeah, and, and and like I said earlier, I'm happy that that we were able to do that. I'm happy for the wonderful woman in Albuquerque. Yeah. I'm happy and, and proud of my brother for stepping up and doing that. That's yeah. great. But what a sad commentary. I mean, this is America. Right. We shouldn't have to be meeting in parking lots and and delivering vials to hotels and because again, let's let's look at the heart of what are we talking about here? We're not talking about some rare precious commodity here we're talking about a drug that was invented a hundred years ago yeah we're talking about a formulation of the drug that's been on the market since i was in high school i'm not going to tell you how old i am but i'm not a young man (laughs) we're talking about a drug that by all uh accounts costs around five or six dollars a vial to manufacture and the list price is three hundred dollars a vial that's not okay that that that's in in any way shape or form that is not okay and that's not acceptable and it's got to stop it's got to change we we can't keep meeting each other in parking lots to keep each other alive that's that's not good well here's the crazy thing too is that as we both know and i'm going to do some research on this that giving somebody a bottle of insulin is illegal right and like I said, we're doing research on this, but I think about it as when I see the T1D play group and everybody comes together, if a kid switches insulin or somebody is in need, sure. everybody steps up. Yep. And if it weren't for our support teams, I think about how many other people would be losing their lives. Yeah. And so thank you, social media, for um, and, you know, just finding your voice whenever you're in need. It really cripples me to see these people passing away because they they couldn't they didn't ask for help. Sure, and there are a lot of resources, and I will plug all of that. And um, there are discount cards. I mean, it's a lot of work. It's a tremendous amount of work. And again, why are we doing that to people? Right. Why are we putting that burden on somebody? If you're if you're uninsured and you're trying to keep the wolves away from your door. You know, chances are if you're uninsured, it's because you're poor. Or yeah. it's, you know, obviously, you, it's probably because you can't afford health insurance, yeah. right? So you may not have access to a computer, and you may not have access to the resources that are required. You may not have the time to get on the phone mm-hmm. and fight with the drug companies and yeah. go through all of their hoops and all that. Why are we doing that to people? Again, for a product that costs $6 to manufacture right. and has been on the market for 20-plus years. That is not an acceptable state of affairs. Well, and I think the good thing for you, and, and you've been an advocate on multiple levels, and so um, 
and we both sit, um, are, are members of the Oklahoma Diabetes Legislative Caucus. So it's nice to know that we as a team are working to change things. So talk about a little bit about the state bills and all the other things that we are are working on or have, have got passed. Sure. So really my advocacy within the state of Oklahoma started last year with SB 1019, which is known as Kevin's Law. And, you know, for listeners that may not be familiar, Kevin's Law was first passed in Ohio. Um, it was named after uh, a young man who unfortunately lost his life because he had, his prescription had expired and it was over the holidays and he couldn't get in touch with his doctor's office. And it wasn't insulin. It was insulin. It was, insulin. It was okay. insulin, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so um, Kevin actually, like I say, unfortunately passed away because of that. And so his parents, uh, Dan and Judy, have become just the fiercest advocates and they're the most wonderful people uh, and they've worked really hard. They first passed the bill in Ohio, and it allows an emergency supply of drugs like insulin to be uh, given by the pharmacy, mm-hmm. even if the prescription is expired. And so, thank it's, you, Kevin's it's, Law. Yeah, and and thank you to Dan and Judy for being um, so amazing and keeping your son's legacy that way. I mean, I, I cannot. It just makes me emotional to even think about it, but I can't. Im- I cannot imagine the pain of losing a child, especially that way. And then I can't imagine finding the strength to um, put the story out there yeah. the way they have, and to just be front and center, and to work right. so hard to do to make people's lives better and to and to change that. And so we worked really hard. Um, we have a, a tremendous ally, State Senator Carrie Hicks, who yeah. has a young son with type one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she and I had, had met. She initially came to our play group that you mentioned mm-hmm. and, and then told us that she was running for state senator. And I, I thought it was so great. You know, she's a teacher and so was super supportive of her campaign. And so uh, I was very excited when she when she won. And then, you know, that was one of the first bills that she introduced. And yeah. uh, I was very involved in that process. And, and it went really smoothly at first. Yeah. And, we got it through committee in the Senate and got it passed mm-hmm. on the Senate floor, got it through committee in the House, and then it sort of hit a roadblock, a little bit of speed bump, if you will, mm. uh, in the House, and we weren't sure if we were going to even get a vote. And so I ended up going up to the Capitol, and I was sitting outside of... Uh, so you just decided one day, I'm just yeah, going to roll up going, to the Capitol and going. see what's going yeah, on. I okay. Need to go, I need to go meet with, you know people on the house side and figure out what's going on with this bill why is it not getting a vote you right know, what's the holdup? and so i was sitting outside of the john eccles office who representative eccles is the majority floor leader and so he's the one that determines whether or not and, and schedules <laughs> votes you know whether or not right. legislation is going to come to the floor and so he walks up and i'm sitting in a chair outside his office he says are you here for me and i'm like yeah i am <laughs> And he's like, I'll give you five minutes. And I said, okay. And so we go in his office, and he's just as attentive as he can be, just as kind as he be. I tell him all about Kevin's Law, why it's important to me, right. tell him about Lily and our story. And so he said, uh, we, can, we can get this done. You know, he said, and he looked me in the eye and shook my hand. He said, I promise you, we will get, this will get a vote on the floor. Hmm. And he kept his word. And you know, within probably a week or so, it was passed unanimously in the House, and the governor signed it. And so... It that, was was a a big, real, that was a big day. It was a big day. And, and, you know, it doesn't, you know, Kevin's Law is important in so many ways. It, it obviously doesn't do anything as far as affordability, and sure. that's a whole other battle. But it was the first sort of step to introducing the legislators to this crisis right. and letting them, you know, getting a foot in the door. And, and you know, I'm, I've always been very politically active just in mm-hmm. terms of paying attention to issues and following right. things but that's the first time I've ever been really involved in the legislative process and it was really eye-opening to see how things work in Oklahoma and I think I think this is a really unique state I think you know I, I know for a fact you couldn't drive down to Austin and sit outside of the majority floor leader's office and, right. and get five minutes with him or her and you <laughs> couldn't drive to Albany and do the same and so I think it speaks to a lot, uh, you know, to this state and how things work. And it gives me a lot of hope moving forward, you know. And, and, and so now we're hoping to take the next step, which is to deal with pricing itself. And, right. um, you know, State and, Senator Jason Smalley yeah. has an insulin copay cap bill that we will be supporting. Um, Senator Hicks has a couple of transparency bills that are modeled after, after some legislation in Nevada. Um, and there are a couple of other opportunities we think at the at the legislative level to make a difference. Well, and like you, uh, we said earlier in this in the wonderful conversation we had prior, <laughs> is that insulin for all is 
nonpartisan. Correct. Correct. Uh, T1 International is a nonpartisan nonprofit. Um, I work with another organization at the national level called Patients for Affordable Drugs, and and you know. The fact is, you know, we all know what politics is like right now. We know what's happening in Washington today, and, yeah. and we know how um, how divided we are, and and how divided the media tells us we are every day. <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of truly bipartisan issues out there. This is one. Yeah, you know, I, I don't care who it is, from my most conservative Republican friend to my most liberal liberal friend. When you talk about this this issue. Everybody has a story. Everybody knows somebody, whether it's their yeah. their grandkids' insulin or their friend's asthma medication or their wife's cancer treatment. Yeah. Everybody has been in this position or knows somebody who has. And, and everybody recognizes that it's got to stop and it's going to require consensus and and you know, cooperation and, and teamwork to get it done because it doesn't matter. Like diabetes doesn't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat or who right. you voted for, you know, if you can't afford your insulin, it doesn't matter to you whether you get help from a Republican legislator or a Democrat legislator, it, it doesn't matter, you know? And so we've got to, this is one of the very few issues that I've found out there mm. that, that really unites people. And so, um, I think there's a tremendous energy there. I think there's a groundswell at the grassroots level and, and through groups like T1 International mm-hmm. Patients for Affordable Drugs, we're, we're, you know, hope to keep that momentum going. Well, and it's really nice to sit in the caucus and be amongst people from all over the state who are fighting for, um, you know, we're not just talking about insulin pricing. We're talking about DPP programs, um, diabetes prevention, um, especially with our Native American community. Mm-hmm. And so it's really nice to sit in that room and hear so many people be passionate about it. And there's four different work groups, which is great because we all have our focus, but at the end we all come together sure. and we want better quality of life for people with diabetes. And I will say that from what I hear on the political world, like it's rare to have such an active caucus, especially with mm-hmm. diabetes. So I'm thankful for that. Go Oklahoma. And then we also have somebody in our community that I've mentioned a couple of times, Harold Hamm. Not only is he, well, he was just on the Today Show talking about the price of insulin and his advocacy and what he's trying to do on a different level, totally different. Um, But at the end of the day, I think it's going to help all of us. He also puts his money into research. Harold Hamm Diabetes Center, come on. And gives a $250,000 gift every other year to a leading researcher Mm -hmm. with no restrictions. Right. We need more people in America like that. We do. We do. And, and, and that's, that's the challenge right now is that we've, you know, the first thing to do is to bring, you know, when, when you're fighting for an issue or advocating, you have to get it into a topic of conversation. Right. And, and I think we've achieved that now. I mean, whether like yeah. you, you mentioned Harold Hamm, if you, uh, anybody was watching the Democratic debates in, during this primary season, it's mentioned by numerous candidates. The yeah. president has mentioned it. There's yeah. been, you know, press conferences and drug pricing initiatives. Nothing's gotten done by any stretch, you know, other than the House passing a bill at the federal level that won't pass in the Senate. So we haven't gotten those tangible results yet, but the conversation's being had. And so that's that's the key moving forward for advocates like myself and for anybody who's listening that may be thinking about becoming an advocate is um, we've got the talking part down. With that. We're good at that, right? You're right. We, we've, we've figured that out. We all agree, Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever, we all agree that this is a problem. It right. needs to stop. Something needs to be done. Now let's get it done. And and that's, mm. that's really what I want to see now from elected leaders and, and politicians, like, again, you got the talking part down, but I want to see the really tangible policies and, and laws and procedures that you're going to put in place that are going to actually make a difference for people's lives. And that's, that's the bigger challenge. What's the first action step for somebody who is listening to this and has never been involved? What would you recommend? I would find out first, if, you are, if you're in Oklahoma, contact our chapter. Um, we'll put everything up after the podcast. I'll, we'll put links to uh, how you can get in touch with us. If you're on social media, if you're on Twitter, you just start following the hashtag insulin for all. Um, and there's one in every single st- well, in state and well, not every state, but we're getting close. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's a really good chance, depending on where you are listening from, that you have a chapter uh, in your state. If you find out that you don't, 
contact T1 International and you can be the chapter leader. You know, they, they provide tremendous resources and mm -hmm. they really help a lot in terms of getting chapters off the ground and providing regular updates. And, and I really, as a chapter leader, feel very supported by them. We have regular calls and uh, video conferences. And, well, and, and it's so, cool, too, to see all the other, I'm going to say some of the larger, um, beyond type one. I mean, there's a lot of larger... I'm going to say uh, websites and advocacy groups, but everybody's partnering together on this. I hope to see more of that. And, and, and to be honest with you, I've been somewhat disappointed in JDRF and in Beyond Type 1 and some of the, you know, even to some extent the ADA. Uh, and I'm, I'm most certainly not going to question anybody's motivations and sure. why they haven't been, but they need to do more. That, that's just a fact. They need to do more about this issue and again, I don't know why I'm not going to suggest why they haven't been, but they have such a powerful voice, so much more than, than some veterinarian in Oklahoma who's trying <laughs> to you know, balance being a dad and a vet and a chapter leader and all that. I have a, a limited amount of energy and resources that I can devote to, and so I really um, I would like to see those organizations do more. Well, I think and everybody needs to play in the sandbox together. I mean, we all need to be kind to each other sure. and realize at the end of the day that we're all fighting the same thing, maybe just with a different voice. Yep. And um, I know with large organizations like the ones you mentioned, they got a lot of protocol. They do. They And that hoops they have to jump, bless their hearts. I mean, it's not as easy as us standing mm -hmm. up and saying something. But as long as we're still attending those events and participating at some level, our voices are going to be heard through sure. them too. Yep. So. And I think it's reasonable for us to expect them to do more. I, I don't think that, again, that, I don't think that's being disrespectful. I don't yeah. think that's being, you know, again, questioning somebody's motivations and all that. But, but I've raised a lot of money for JDRF. I'd like to see them do more. That's not me yeah. taking a shot at them. Yeah. That's not, but that's just the reality for me. And that's just yeah. my, my perspective is um, you guys can and hopefully will do more. So if somebody decides to come to the meeting, it's actually this week and mm -hmm. You host it every month. What can they expect? They can accept, uh, expect right now a very small meeting. You know, we usually have, on average, six or seven, eight people. Um, four of those people may or not, may not be me and my family because <laughs> my wife and daughters come as well. But, um, you know, we've only had a couple of meetings, and we're just getting the chapter off the ground. And so it's very informal. Um, Does Lily engage? Somewhat. I mean, she... And does she understand the... I don't... You know, it's interesting. We don't... I try not to be, I, I mean, I'm very public about my advocacy, obviously, and she knows what's going on. And, and part of the reason that I do this is um, is selfless and altruistic, and, and I feel very privileged, and mm -hmm. I, I want to help people that don't have my privilege. But there's an element of selfishness in it, too, and that has to do with knowing that I'm not going to be here forever to yeah. care for her, and knowing yeah. that she's not going to be on my insurance forever, I'm not going to be able to pay for her insulin forever. So I worry about her future. And so I don't talk about that a lot in her presence because I don't want that to burden her at 11 sure. years old. But I'll give you an example that she is paying a little bit of attention. They were discussing um, price increases and things like that in their math class. And oh. the math teacher said, well, you know, give me an example of, of like a 300% markup or something like that. And, and the kids were like, well, nobody would do that. And, she, and the teacher was like, no, actually, the, the insulin companies do, and, and they do. And Lily raised her hand and said, well, my dad's going to pass a law that says they can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and God bless her for having that much faith in her father. I, I, I explained that. to her that daddy's actually not going to pass a law, but he's <laughs> trying to get other people too. So, you know, that, that tells me that she's clearly listening to all this and she's going to the meetings and, and hearing some of the things. Well, and, and you guys are so active and you attend all the JDRF things and you know, all the, so I, she's got a lot of exposure. She does, which is she good. Does. And yeah. She'll start using her voice whenever she feels it necessary. That's right. Sure. That's right. And we certainly won't push her. I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, she's got to figure that road out herself too, and where she's going to stand on a lot of this stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, back to the meeting. It's it's super informal. We I usually have a a relatively short agenda. The meetings are typically scheduled at five thirty. The coffee shop we meet at closes at seven, and that way I don't ramble on for three hours and keep everybody <laughs> later like than that. they have to be. Yeah, it's sort Cap of a, it. yeah, exactly. And so. Um, you know, we'll be talking this month about our strategy for the legislative session. We'll be talking about the uh, announcement from Harold Hamm and maybe mm -hmm. how we can get involved with them and, you know, several other things that are happening, particularly at the state level. Again, th yeah, this chapter. Yeah, sooner carriages. 
approved a bunch of uh, CGNs for people of all ages. That is a a big big deal. deal. And a lot of people worked really hard on that. They did. They did. I mean, that's, I, I share your optimism with the Diabetes Caucus. I think that's a tremendous group yeah. of people. And, and I actually attended a couple of years ago. You were there, and it was there wasn't much. It didn't seem like as much going on with the type 1 side of things. Yeah. And, man, it's just been really ramped I, I didn't up. get to go for a little while, and then I've started going again. And it's amazing to see that group. And that's actually one of the bigger groups now is the T1 group. And, yeah. Um, I would really encourage anybody to attend that. They're open to the public, and they and they're, know, they're on the first Thursday first of every Thursday month. of every month at ten a.m. Well, room. they changed it now to two. Is it two now? Okay, two o'clock. I'm and I'm glad that. I just said that out loud because yeah, that's coming too. up. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. all of that information will also be in the show notes because we want people to to be informed. A because I'm not a political person sure. normally, um, but I've learned so much of the process and how my little voice can actually make a bigger um, a bigger effect. So. Yeah, yeah, and sitting in that room, it also has introduced me to all the other organizations here locally right. that are helping people with diabetes, right. type 1 and type 2. So that's yeah. always nice to see. It is. Yeah. So I'm going to flip the switch 100%. All right. I was thinking about this, and as you mentioned, you're a vet. And I have a good friend who has an elderly dog who ha- is insulin dependent. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that dog is no longer with us. But when he was talking about giving it daily injections, I thought, God, there's got to be another option. And so I've contacted my friends at Insulet and mm-hmm. I was like, let's just stick an Omnipod on this guy. And no, that's not, you can't do that. But um, for various reasons. But it just made me wonder about animals with diabetes. Mm-hmm. There, and you said there's not a type one or type two. Well, we don't classify them. Like we don't. So, and, and I will say this with a caveat that I am an equine practitioner. I have... Touched very few dogs and cats since vet school. I had to learn everything. Right. Um, I think I'm getting to be a decent equine vet. I, well, I'll just illustrate it like this. I have two dogs. Mm-hmm. They have a veterinarian. He is not me. <laughs> <laughs> so That's I don't good. do a lot of small animal medicine, but I, I, I have, you know, obviously I had to learn a lot of the physiology uh, in vet school. And so, you know, again, we don't necessarily classify them as type one versus type two. Uh, but yeah, we see it increasing numbers in dogs and cats. We well, uh, said dogs are more insulin dependent and cats right. are not. Right. Well, well, they, well, yeah, well, exactly. More, more of a, more of a type two. Well, and the uh, reason I even started thinking about this the other day was a, the koala that everybody knows that had sure. a G6. Um, but also like when I was diagnosed it was said to be hereditary and that wasn't the case because no one in my family had it right it made me think of if animals are now being diagnosed with this disease where are we getting it right right you think it's i mean you can't that's just a ridiculous i mean but yeah what environmental factors or what's going on what's going on sure right yeah i would uh i would encourage you to uh, talk to somebody that really knows about diabetes <laughs> and small animals. I, I'm, you know, I'm gonna, like if you can help it's connect fascinating. me with somebody. I can. Yeah, no, I absolutely can. And like I was telling you earlier, uh, I have a brilliant uh, colleague and classmate at the University of Georgia who's an internist, and he's done a lot of work uh, with diabetes and small animals. He's put done a lot of work with CGMs, actually. And he told me we recently had our 10-year vet school reunion, and I said, you know, are you guys are you using CGMs still? And he said, yeah, you know, we, we, we like the Libre because it's cheaper and, and it's a little bit easier. It stays on better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can absolutely connect you with people way smarter than me who can uh, give you a lot of insight because it's, it's fascinating. It really is. Well, and when I, I saw mean, the koala, I mean, it was crazy how the community was yeah. just like freaked out. Yep. And I would have never thought of putting a CGM on an animal. I mean, sure. But gosh, you talk about quality of life for that pet. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Well, and, and you know, I, I did a little work couple of years ago, I was just kind of curious. And um, I think somebody was working on a piece about insulin affordability and they had asked me about the cost. And mm-hmm. so I reached out to some of my small animal colleagues and found out that, you know, for example, Lantus is, works really well in cats, but that can be very difficult from a cost standpoint for owners right. because they, you know, you don't need a lot of Lantus for a 10 or 15, 20 pound cat. Uh, and so getting the pharmacy to actually break that five pack is difficult enough. And then if you uh, do, then the cost of having to pay list price on that is just exorbitant. And so right. um, you're actually starting to see instances where uh, that's affected the, the small animal community as well. And, and pet, I can't pet owners. imagine like a, you would never know if the cat's blood sugar was too high or too low. You better check it. 
You do? You have to ch- prick yeah. their finger, prick their paw? What they, I guess I they, I don't yeah, know. I would have to. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you, you do have to check your dogs and cats. They, well, they, and here, how are owners these, actually do check them, yes, to answer your how question. How are they even getting diagnosed? Uh, well, they have rapid a lot look. of similar... Rapid Symptoms, loss, uh, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, <laughs> that's what, you know, going back to that original podcast we did, that's that's one of the reasons that I just kick myself. And I'm so grateful that Cindy caught all the signs because, you know, there was Lily, lost weight, going to the bathroom a lot, <laughs> thirsty all the time, irritable. I'm like, well, I learned that in vet school about dogs and cats, you know, I mean, come on, <laughs> come on, doc, you know? And so, yeah, so you, that's often one of the cheap complaints is that they're seeing the dog or a cat, you know, urinate more frequently or be thirsty and drink, you know, having to refill the water bowl a lot mm-hmm. more than they, you know, expect to. So, yeah. Well, I want to kind of end with the fact that I am a huge advocate for finding your community. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, like I said, in the show notes, will be the insulin for all and all the other things that how you can get involved. But I want to say that something that I'm really ramping up this year is more happy hours. Mm. So real life diabetes, happy hours. Um, I'm doing one, this will be out before then, in St. Louis, um, as we're the keynote speakers for JDRF, and I'm so excited for this opportunity, and terrified. Sure. <laughs> um, so we're doing one there, and again, that information will be on the website, but also I'm doing one here in Oklahoma City, February 4th, Awesome. that's going to be in all ages. I've been marketing it to as many groups as I can, but it's a great opportunity to be in the same room with people who get it. And I love the all ages one. Oh, we do too. And and I would really encourage anybody hearing this, really come and bring your kids. We've been to several of them. I mean, you've had them at different locations that were kid friendly and they're just so great. I mean, the kids love it. We love it. We love being able to, you know, and and I've said all along, I mean, obviously I love to talk to other parents and get that perspective, but I also really like to talk to people like you that have been living with type one forever because I can never understand what Lily goes through. Right. Like I have my perspective as a parent, and, and that's all well and good, but it's as she gets older and older, it's really important for me to be more and more sensitive to her needs and her perspective, and really the only way I can gain that is by talking to folks who've lived with it for a long time, and so those happy mm-hmm. hours really provide you a, a neat opportunity well, it's that. crazy too. Like when I went to the Beyond Type One meetup in Arizona, I, mm-hmm. that's when I ran out of insulin. Was on my right, way home, right? <laughs> ironically, um, was having a parent come up to me and say because they heard that I had diabetes for thirty five plus years at that point, and um, I was standing with a woman who had had diabetes, I think, for thirty eight or forty years, wow. and the moms were just crying, yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, my kid is going to live!" Right, and it's crazy because I never thought about that, but it gives me a whole other. Love for my parents, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really important. I think it's important for people to, you know, I've met lots of people who are in their 50s or 60s and said, look, it it wasn't all perfect. And I had, you know, I was a mess in the teenage years or my 20s were really rough and I'm doing fine. You know, it's just really important as a parent to hear that your kid's going to be okay. You know, it's, it's a really scary thing. Um, again, to think about that future when I, that I'm not a part of for her yeah. at some point. And, um, and, and with that, the advancements help, in technology, yeah. and let's talk about insulin therapy as well, these k- kids are going to live a lot longer. Way different. It's way so different. So we're going to see a shift, yeah. and that's another whole podcast in itself. But yeah, it's exciting times. And it gives me, I mean, it's good to see all these kids attached to Dexcom and all the devices sure. because... It gives them a lot more freedom than someone like myself when you had no idea what your blood sugar was in the right, middle of the day. Right. So no doubt. So yeah. So anything else you you want to end with, Clayton? No, I really appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. And I just really I encourage everybody to to try to get involved if you can, if you have the time, if you have the energy, um, whatever you can spare to our local chapter. Um, if you're in another state, reach out to them and and. You know, even if it's something as simple as uh, reaching out to your legislator and, and telling yeah. them. And, and what I tell people all the time, like politics is nasty and, and everybody hates it for really valid reasons. And, and one of the main reasons that people hate it is there's so much phoniness and there's yeah. so much like we just have our talking points and we we hide, you know, whatever right. our politics might be we watch a certain channel and then we sort of parrot what we hear on that channel back and <laughs> forth to each other. And, and that's not productive. And so... When it comes to advocacy, I always tell people, if you're willing and able, just tell your story. Like, yeah. t- just tell the truth. And don't bark. You know, no, don't you know? bark. Don't yeah. yell. D- but 
I mean, you can be angry. It's okay yeah. to be angry. I'm angry about this. I'm, yeah. I'm very frustrated. But to, uh, tell the truth. What does that look like for you? What is, what is that feeling when you go to that pharmacy counter and they tell you that it's $2,000 <laughs> and you have it, but you worry about what when, happens when you don't? Yeah. Or if you go and you don't have it and what that fear is like. Just, just tell the truth. I think that we're really longing for truth in this country right now. Mm-hmm. I think we're longing for an honest perspective and, and somebody that just really... Um, speaks from the heart yeah. and, and is willing. And if you're, like I say, if you're willing and able to share that experience, it makes a huge difference when it, when it comes to talking to legislators and policymakers. And, and that's how, that's the most effective way. To and get if they don't done. know how serious this is, right. exactly. they're never going to put Absolutely. something through. That, so it's a matter right. of us having a voice and that's right. And, and like you say, them. don't bark. I mean, I don't, I actually joke because I, I'm on. I have a really good relationship with most of the staffs of our elected leaders, and yeah. so like I'll call our <laughs> senator's office, and they're like, "Oh, hi, Doctor McCook. You know, it's nice <laughs> to talk to you." And and I, you know, they're like, "Oh, you're always so nice," you know, and that's really important. Like a lot of the people that are answering the phones. They may not be getting paid a lot. They're not high-level right. staffers. They're just doing a job. So don't call and scream at them because, number one, it's rude and terrible. And number yeah. two, it's not productive. Like right. you're not, We're not going to get anywhere by shouting at each other and calling each other names. Right. So if and when you call your legislators, just, again, be polite and tell your story. Tell your truth. And that, yeah. that's way more effective than jumping up and down and yelling at, screaming at somebody. <laughs> Nobody likes to be yelled at. No. (laughs) Well, Clayton, thank you again for taking so much time today. You bet. And it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Always. Likewise, Amber. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I had a blast with Clayton and hope his advocacy inspires you to get involved. I mean, as you know, there's power in numbers and I feel confident All of us want to see the current state of diabetes affairs improved. I also can't wait to connect with his friend, the one that he said, I guess, has a lot of knowledge about diabetes and animals. It's so fascinating to me. I mean, don't you want to know how you prick a paw to test their blood sugar? I just can't imagine that. Hmm. But as I wrap up, I just want to share a few last things. Don't forget to check out the new Superfood Pizza Crust by Real Good Foods. They were kind enough to give us a promo code, so do yourself a favor and check it out in the show notes at diabetesdailygrind.com. Yay, discount. And don't forget, we're always looking for solid partnerships and love getting creative. So hit us up if you have an idea. You can reach the DDG marketing team at Penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com. And finally, please continue to leave iTunes reviews and love like and share all things social media. I also love hearing from you. So you can email me anytime at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. I guess that's a wrap. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone.